Welcome to the WMKT Week in Review. Welcome to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. We have a very special guest today. Joining us on the show is Winner Vinecki, who well has a lot of accolades to her name. You will likely know her as a member of the Team USA Freestyle and Aerials teams. Winter ran her first 5K when she was 5, 10K when she was 8, and 10 miles when she was 10. She achieved two world records before turning 15 as the youngest person to run a marathon on seven continents and for being part of the first mother-daughter duo as her mother joined her in that quest. Makes you think, what were you doing when you were 15? While there are many more tremendous feats Winter has achieved, the last one I will list is winning gold at the 2021 Moscow World Cup. Without any further delay, here's Winter Vanecki. So I just kind of wanted to like progress through your your life. I wanted to make sure I have this correct. You were born in Grand Rapids and you grew up in Gaylord, correct? Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, so, so what was it like growing up in a small town in northern Michigan to you? I loved it. I was so close to a lot of my family. My grandparents were just down the road at Estelle Farms. And then my cousins and a lot of my aunts and uncles were really close by. My dad's grandparents were just you know, 20 minutes down the road. So it was a very awesome environment to grow up in and, and just a great place to explore and, you know, find your own creativity and independence. I would go out in the woods and play with my brothers for hours on end, just come back just for dinner or whatever it was and, you know, get to go around, drive snowmobiles in the wintertime. And, and there was just so much, so much to do outdoors that it was, it was just awesome. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I was reading, I was doing some research just about you and your story and you know most people when they're five at most they start t-ball or like a soccer program that's kind of what i did but you were out there running 5ks how did that happen were you like tagging along after your parents or was that something that you wanted to do it was something i saw my mom doing so i did do all kinds of different sports growing up i tried all sorts of different things my mom and dad encouraged myself but also my three brothers to try new things and to just have fun and and find what you love they didn't want us to, you know, be restricted to one certain thing, especially at such a young age. And so I was doing like, I actually tried like dance, I think was one of my first sports and, and ended up going more towards, uh, the running and triathlon side of things because I saw my mom doing it. So she was a runner and triathlete and her and my uncle would do different adult races. And one time up at a event, we were going to watch my mom race in, there was a kid's race with it. So I saw all these other young little kids that were going to go do their first triathlon. And I thought it looked like a ton of fun. And so ended up doing that triathlon at five, six years old. And and loved the running side of things, especially it was so easy to do. And I was already doing it running around in our woods and, and going on some runs with my mom. So that kind of just came naturally. I think one of my first races I did was the Alpenfest run in Gaylord. That's awesome. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's so cool. You, you were mentioning how you tried a variety of different sports. Um, you see a lot of t- top tier athletes, especially in the past. I think it's getting a lot better these days, but they're, they would specialize in a sport, even at a young age. Can you speak to like, because there's there's a lot of research out there showing that that can actually cause harm, especially to a, um, you know, a smaller, younger body that's not fully developed. Uh, are, Are you glad that you had a variety of different sports programs you participated in to kind of stay away from hyper like specialization at a younger age? I really do. I think it was great for helping me become a better overall athlete. And even, you know, at such a young age, there's all these kids that are specializing and then 
they get a lot of injuries from just doing one thing over and over again, or they're just getting burned out and they're getting tired of it because it's hard doing one thing for so long. And actually that's part of the reason why I loved triathlons as a sport in general, because it kind of combined three different things, the swim, bike and run. So if you got bored of one, you could have, have had another to train for. And even outside of triathlons, you know, I did the running, I did the skiing in the wintertime and it was just fun. It mixed it up and allowed me to have fun and not get, get over burnt out on one thing, but also it allowed me to work all those different muscle groups so that, you know, when an opportunity like aerials came about, I was physically ready for anything. Sure. You know, and that's a, it's a great point about the burnout as well. Um, one of my college classes I took was I was a sports management minor. So I studied a little bit of this and burnout is actually just as much of a problem of why people are not participating in athletics all the way up through high school because it even more like it's pretty much equal to injuries as well and so yeah being able to like do a variety of different things I think is really important I think that's something that parents really need to focus on is allowing their kids you know to allow them to do a variety of things and keeps them away from injury keeps them in sports longer because they actually stay interested in it so you continue to up the ante on the length of your races growing up when did you get hooked on uh competing was competing also a family thing and how did you like know this was something that you were athletics was something that you wanted to pursue i just loved being out there competing against other people and I was pretty competitive growing up. I had three brothers, so we were always challenging each other, whether it was who can run around the house the fastest or who could bike up and down the driveway the fastest or, you know, who could climb to the tree the fastest. Like there was all these different things. And so kind of that competitiveness and drive was always um, a part of my childhood. And, and I just loved how sports allowed you to not only be physically active, because I think that's so important and just going out there, exercising, have fun, but also it's good for the mental health, you know, being able to go take your mind off something. If I was having a bad day, I could go for a run. Um, and it was just a ton of fun and a way to make friends. I've been able to make friends with people around the world through my sports and athletics and, and been able to kind of find my own independence as a person. And so I think there's so many great things um, that sports gives us in addition to, you know, having this passion that I can go towards and try to excel to be the best that I possibly can be at something. And so I always, you know, wanted to compete competitively in these different sports. And growing up, I remember seeing the Olympics and thought it would be amazing to one day compete on the world stage like that. I never knew exactly which sport it would be in, whether it was the running or triathlon or skiing, but I always knew that that was something I wanted to do. That's awesome. You achieved a world record before turning 15, running a marathon on seven different continents. How does a 14-year-old do that? Walk us through that process. Where did you run? What races did you participate in? And did you do them all in one trip? So that whole idea kind of came about in honor of my dad. So... I had gravitated towards the longer distance triathlons and running races in part because I liked the longer distance, but also because there wasn't many kids races for me in Northern Michigan growing up. And so I naturally just ended up doing the adult races, which were a little bit longer distances. And I remember the first Olympic distance triathlon I ever did was a race down in Florida for prostate cancer awareness. And I was doing it in honor of my dad after he was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of prostate cancer. And so I had done this race. It was something that, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, there's no way a nine year old is going to finish an Olympic distance triathlon. Like, you shouldn't even try all this. And, 
you know, I finished amongst many adults and beating many of them actually in honor of prostate cancer. And that was the last race my dad ever saw me compete in. He passed away 10 months after his diagnosis. And so I continued to raise money in his memory and in his honor for prostate cancer, had a foundation, have a foundation called team winter for prostate cancer research and awareness that has raised over half a million dollars for the cause. And I really wanted to do something after my dad passed away that was kind of big in his memory, kind of like the Olympic distance triathlon. And I remember one day I was just sitting on my couch looking through a Guinness Book of World Records, and I came across the youngest person to run a marathon on all seven continents. I immediately told my mom that I wanted this record for my dad, not knowing we'd actually be able to do this. But just short, uh, a couple of years later, we ended up starting this journey to um, set the world record for the youngest person to run a marathon on all seven continents. And so we started out in Eugene, Oregon, and that was the first race, my first marathon ever. Um, and then we went to uh, Kenya for Africa, went to Antarctica, um, did the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu Marathon in Peru. It was the toughest marathon in the world, went over three mountain passes, one of which was called Dead Woman's Pass. And then we went to Mongolia and Great Barrier Island in New Zealand and then finished on the original course of the marathon in Athens, Greece. That's amazing. I, I, I do want to go back to those races, but since you mentioned it, I did want to give you time to um, promote Team Winter and that great, great charity that you're running. Can you, can you tell us about that, how people can learn more and where they can donate? Absolutely. So you can go to my website, wintervenecki.com, and there'll be a tab. You can check out Team Winter from there. And I think it's just so important to get awareness out there. You know, even though we couldn't save my dad, if we can, you know, hopefully get awareness out there and raise funds so that no other family has to go through what my family had to go through, then it'll be all worth it. Of course. Going back to your, uh, your your races, looking back, what was your favorite of those seven marathons? Did the races get harder or easier? You, you did mention the one like with Dead Woman's Pass. I, I would imagine that one sounds like it's the worst one, but do you have a particular favorite or one that was harder or easier than the others? That one was definitely the toughest one for sure. Um, it The t- title is the toughest marathon in the world, and it certainly was, you know, over over the 26.2 miles, it was just stone steps and over mountain passes, many of which had false summits. So you think you're there and then you weren't quite there yet. And it goes up to, you know, 14,000 feet. So you're basically hiking up these stone steps at part of it and then running down the backside. And at one point I looked down, my fingers were swollen up a little bit because we were at such high altitude. And I was actually the first female finisher in that race. And that one even took me nine hours. So it was almost like an ultra marathon because of how long it took um so that was definitely one of the tougher ones all of them had such unique experiences that it's like hard to pick a favorite honestly i mean in kenya i got to run alongside these little kenyan kids in the middle of nowhere who were shouting jumbo which is hello in swahili to me as i was running which was just unforgettable and i thought new zealand was just absolutely beautiful they kind of, it's interesting because they kind of started out with a road race. So the Eugene Marathon was um, a road race. And then all the rest of them were trail marathons. New Zealand was actually half trail, half road. And then we finished back on road again. Wow. That's, that's insane. Yeah. I, I definitely want to go to New Zealand as well. I, I've heard great things. 
All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with the WMKT Special Edition interviews with Olympian winner Vanecki. I'm Ken Matthews from The Ken Matthews Show, now heard weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 right here on Triple Talk WMKT, Northern Michigan's news talk leader. Imagine a great conversation about what's happening in America and free speech is still allowed. Yes, you'll find it right here. Join me weekdays from 3 to 6 on Triple Talk 102.3 and 103.3 FM, 1270 AM WMKT. Glenn Beck. I want to play something from Kid Rock. The elites have no idea where people actually live and what they're feeling. But if you listen to the lyrics, it is all about big tech, big government, all of the people that you sense. Something's not right. What you're sensing is the Great Reset. And they really don't think that people are onto them. Your friends may not know what it's called, but they've heard Build Back Better, but they don't know what that is. But they sense something isn't right. The Glenn Beck Program. On WMKT. Welcome back to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. We are with Olympian Winner Vanecki. A lot of people know you uh, on the world stage for being an Olympian, for your skiing. When did you start skiing, and when did you start competitive skiing? I started skiing from a very young age. I think I was probably like three years old. My grandpa is a ski instructor and still is in his eighties at Boyne mountain. So he built like a little snow hill in his backyard and would do this every winter. And then I'm pretty sure he just strapped some skis onto me when I was super little and got me going down that hill in the backyard. And then soon enough, I was following the ski instructors and him down the, the runs at Boyne mountain. I did ski racing at Boyne mountain growing up. And then when we moved to Oregon, after my dad passed away, I, ski raced for MBSEF in Mount Bachelor, did some ski camps at Mount Hood. And then it was in 2011 that I was in New York City for the Women's Sports Foundation event, receiving the Annika Inspiration Award. And they had played a little clip of me on the main stage, skiing, doing my running, triathlons, things like that. And Emily Cook, who was Olympic aerial skier, came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, you're pretty tiny to be a ski racer why don't you come try my sport of aerials? So she invited me literally to come stay with her in Park City. And how could I say no? And an Olympian was inviting me to come come try out her sport. It sounded like a ton of fun. I loved the skiing side of things. And I always had a little bit of an interest in the tricks and stuff, but I didn't really know how to get into it um, or didn't even know aerials honestly existed when I first heard about it. And so I went out that next summer into Park City, tried aerial skiing into the pool the first time, did my first backflips, fell in love, told my mom to sell my racing skis and moved out to Park City. Oh my gosh, that's insane. When did the Olympics become a reality for you to pursue at that point? I think when I started the sport, you know, they obviously said, you know, I could be really good and I was very coachable. And so they saw I had potential, but it's taken, you know, it took 10 years for me to get to the Olympics. So it's not just something you can just immediately turn around and do the next day. Um, This sport takes years and years to be able to to get the tricks that you need to be at that level and so for me it was I was on the development team for several years um, out here in Park City then I made the U.S. ski team in 2016 and I think at that point it was kind of okay this might might be possible 
And then once I start got start to get to go on the World Cup tour, that's when it really became a reality. And I think it was kind of in the goal for me going to the 2018 Winter Olympics. I was kind of right on that edge of qualifying in that last spot. And unfortunately, I tore my ACL and three weeks before the Olympic qualifiers. So that took me out of that Olympics. But I was able to come back stronger than ever, had my best World Cup season yet, got a top 10 the next several years and, you know, finished second in the world last year. And that kind of helped secure my spot for the Olympic team this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the I, I watched the event and just a such a steep jump. Are you probably a bit of an adrenaline junkie? Were you when you were training for this at the beginning, did it did it intimidate you how high up in the air you were going or was that just something you embraced? It's always intimidating at the beginning and it's definitely a scary sport at times, but I think part of the thrill of it is overcoming that fear and learning to, to deal with it and navigate it so that you can do the jumps and the feeling that you get flying through the air is unlike anything else that I've ever experienced. And so if, you know, it takes a little bit of fear to overcome, to do that, then that's what we're going to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, Northern Michigan isn't known for producing athletes due to weather, lack of facilities, so how do you, how would you train for this? Obviously you moved out West where there's more facilities and stuff, but is there any advice on how to train for high level athletics in a more rural area? I think one of the biggest things is kind of what we already talked about is, is building that base and becoming a good overall athlete, especially when you're young. And so whether that's like I did and just going for runs in your backyards or or join the swim team or going skiing at some place like Boyne Mountain, like there's little things you can do. And then if you do have the opportunity to, you know, drive even to different races or whatever it may be, take those opportunities, find people around your community who um, can support you and help you get to where you want to go. And so there's all these little things that you can do to start out to help yourself set yourself up for, for success. Absolutely. Northern Michigan, what did what does that mean to you? How what what hand did that community play in becoming Winter Vanecki? I think one of the most important things that growing up in Northern Michigan taught me is is some independence and work ethic. Growing up on a farm with my grandparents, you know, I just saw them work so hard and they continued to be up at the sunrise and my grandpa's working till till after dinner, even in his eighties and seeing him do that, but also have fun with his passions and skiing really just, I think inspired me to go after and chase my dreams. Even though I was from a small town, you know, I knew that if I worked hard, I could, I could accomplish my goals and dreams. Inspiring. What was the Olympic experience like this year? Was, was it enjoyable? I heard some complaints about the food and then did COVID impact it in any significant way? It definitely had an effect on it. I think overall it was still, you know, the Olympics, the biggest stage in the world, but there was so much that was different. And I think with this being my first Olympics in one sense, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I know a lot of other people who this was their, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth Olympics. They especially noticed the big differences. Um, And, you know, even us, that was, it was, it was our first time we heard, you know, stories from our teammates of how it was so different. Um, so we just tried to really take advantage of every opportunity, even though it was 
it was a little bit different, just embrace the experience as it was. And, you know, it was still amazing getting, getting to go to opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies and be on that stage competing. Um, a lot of the other stuff was quite a bit different just because of COVID. Like we weren't allowed to go see many other events, um, or go check out like Beijing as a city or anything like that. And, and it was a little bit interesting because everyone in the village that was volunteers, you know, they were in full PPE. So they had the full white, like kind of like hazmat suits oh, on wow. with their face masks and everything. And, you know, walking into different buildings, you had to have your mask and you had to hand sanitize everywhere. Yeah, the food wasn't great. <laughs> Luckily, we had a lot of snacks from our Team USA, like Athlete Resource Center. So we kind of stocked up there. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of difference, and and it was definitely a roller coaster for sure. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. You know, I would have liked to compete a little bit better, but at the end of the day, I you know still became the first winter ever to compete in the Winter Olympics and got <laughs> to spread my message for the causes that are dear to me. Yeah, that is a great mindset, and you represented the U.S really well uh i'm sure covid played a little bit of a role in lowering interaction between athletes but i'm sure you still cross paths paths with athletes of a variety of nations were there any moments of tension that you saw between athletes from countries that u.s may not be on so great of terms with currently or do athletes generally they represent the country but they're not really representative of their like their governments um so were you able to go there and perform and enjoy each other's company yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've traveled around um, with these other athletes for years now on World Cup circuit. And so the Olympics, it's it's pretty incredible because no matter what's going on in the world, we are all there to compete our best and, you know, to hold up those Olympic values. And, you know, we respect each other and we have this this friendship, even though our countries may be at odds or whatever, um, as individuals, we're out there supporting each other. We know how difficult, especially our sport in aerials is and how scary it can be. And so it's, it's really cool that we can go to these different events and be at the Olympics and still support each other. And, um, even though we're competing against each other, you know, we're still friends with a lot of these people and can talk to them and, and are excited to see each other when we go to different places around the world. That's awesome. Well, what was your favorite part of the Olympic experience? And was there anything difficult about participating? Well, I think one of the most difficult parts about this Olympics, honestly, is just getting there. And, and because of COVID and, and everything like that, it was very stressful on top of all the normal stresses of getting to Olympics. And, you know, you obviously don't want to get injured and you, you want to be able to make the team, but also here we are having to worry about one positive test could potentially ruin your entire Olympic experience and, and make it so you couldn't even go. And so I wasn't even allowed to see my, my family or friends or anyone outside of our team for weeks before we even left for the Olympics because we had to be so careful. And so not having my family there was, was tough and not being able to interact with them even before we were leaving was kind of sad. And so that definitely made the Olympic experience different. You know, thankfully we have things like FaceTime and to be able to stay connected. And so I was doing a lot of FaceTiming, but something we just talked about um, with you know, uniting all the athletes, I think was one of the, the best parts of being at the Olympics, no matter what was going on, we were still all there, you know, competing for our countries, but, um, also just out there showing that, you know, we can be united. We can go do these amazing things and incredible feats in sport, um, and, and do it together. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I do want to stress to the audience just how, 
how much sacrifice athletes put into a lot of you hear on occasion people are a bit annoyed that people can have a living of doing a sport or doing participating in athletics and sometimes it gets past them just how much sacrifice and even things that are you would think would be simple just traveling there like you mentioned having to be isolated from family and friends for weeks in advance like it's it's not easy uh, yeah absolutely yeah you, and i think it's go ahead Ty. you know i completely understand that sentiment sometimes and you know i just think it's not much different from those people that are out making movies and doing anything in in entertainment and things like that but at the end of the day, I think that's why it's important as athletes, we have a platform and we spread awareness for causes that are dear to us because when we're out there, you know, it's so much more meaningful when we're not just competing for ourselves. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're obviously a world-class athlete who spends a lot of her time outside. Between an inundation of media, video games, you name it, the younger generations are spending less and less time outdoors. Is that troubling to you? And what level of importance do you put on spending time outside? I love the outdoors. Any chance I get, um, I want to be outside in the fresh air. I think it's just so great to be able to go out there and, and have fun physically, but it's also just such a nice mental break. And I think a lot of us need that these days, you know, just have some place we can go to just look around, enjoy the views. I think that's one important thing for me, even when I'm out competing, if I'm getting stressed, I just take a moment to to be outside and to just look around my surroundings. If I'm at the top of the hill and I'm getting anxious about competing, I'll just literally just take a minute, look in the mountains, the city, whatever is around me to be able to kind of ground myself again. Yeah, absolutely. Being, being an athlete has consumed a lot of your life. How strongly would you encourage young people to be involved in athletics? I think it's so important. And we talked about before some of the amazing things that I've gotten out of sports, you know, not only becoming physically active and building that, that confidence and that independence, but also building those lasting friendships and, you know, learning to work as a team or, or be around teammates, even if it's an individual sport, like in my sense, and, you know, teaching us to overcome adversity and, and, and setbacks. I think there's all these amazing things that that sport can provide that, I would love to see everyone, even if they're not going to do sports competitively forever, if, even if it's, you know, they just do it for a little bit growing up. I think it's so important. Of course, I completely agree. Uh, you graduated uh, magna cum laude from University of Utah. So you're also very smart, clearly. Can you speak to how being physically fit helps your mental sharpness and vice versa? I think the one important thing with like just being physically active as it is um, great for your mental health and, and it is a great stress reliever in many senses also just, you know, helps clear your head. And so I think that helps a ton. And one of the great things with, you know, having school and having done school while competing is it does, it does give you something else to think about and focus on because it can be a lot just doing your sport. And so, Sometimes it, even though it was a little bit stressful coming home to school, sometimes it's nice to be able to have those other things to focus on. Of course. I've always, I've always been curious how people handle their, their schedule, going to school and participating in training and high level athletic competitions. What does a typical day when you were in school look like for you balancing training and a full class load? A lot of times when I, was in school, I would do a lot of online classes, but sometimes I would do on campus when I was here 
in Park City. And, and a lot of the times I did a lot of classes in the summer and in the fall semester, because then we would travel around for our competitions kind of during spring semester. Um, and so during that time, let's say in the summertime, I would pretty much train most of the day and then come home and have school to do in the evenings. Occasionally, then I would also have classes to go down to campus. So I remember like one of my summers, I had a couple classes on campus. So one of them was from like 6 to 9 p.m. So I would do my training during the day and then drive down the canyon, which is only about like a 25, 30 minute drive from where I live in Park City and go do my class. And so it was definitely a balance for sure. And got a little bit challenging when we started to travel around with time zones and having to get on zooms, you know, at sometimes in the middle of the night, but we made it work. That's so intense. That's, that's so intense. You're, you're still young and I'm sure many more competitions are in your future. What does the, what does the future hold for you in that regard? But also if you choose to stop competing at some point in your life, what would that look like for you as well? Right now, I plan on continuing aerials for, for quite a while longer. I'm still loving it, and I think just getting to kind of my prime. And so I plan on, on doing this sport and as long as I can and as long as my body holds up and I continue to love and enjoy it. And I think after, whenever I am done with sport, we'll see. That's why I've continued to um, work on some of my other things, like make sure I have that education so that if any opportunities present themselves, I'm I'm educated and have that background to be able to pursue those things. I'm also working on a memoir right now. And so I'm going to be coming out with a book in the fall. So, so keep your eye out for that. So all these different things, you know, just keeping up and, and keeping my options open. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll definitely be on the lookout for that book. But yeah, that's all the questions I have for you. We will all be continuing to follow you and your story. We'll be rooting for you in the upcoming Olympics. We'll, I'm sure we'll see you there. Winner, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much. This was awesome.